Welcome back to the Bulwark Coast of Hollywood. My name is Sonny Bunch, I'm culture editor at the Bulwark, and I'm very pleased to be rejoined by a favorite guest of the show, frequent frequent uh, visitor here. And I I would like to think that the reason you guys uh, over at the Ankler, which you know you're growing by leaps and bounds, you're getting nice write ups in the, in Vanity Fair uh, mm-hmm. and the such, um, Richard, is because uh, you uh, were the first guest on the Bulwark Coast of Hollywood. That's what Absolutely. that's what really. Has, has sent you shooting to the moon here. Uh, I, I can't think of what else uh, has propelled it. And this is uh, <laughs> completing my trilogy, um, meant to be listened to as a, as a set also of, uh, yeah. of, of uh, appearances. So the, all the little seeds I planted in, the first, in my first appearance are, are going to bear fruit and explode in this, in this episode. So. Well, the, the Ankler cinematic uh, universe is a key portion of The Bulwark Goes to Hollywood, as people know. You know, we've had you <laughs> on the show. We've had Sean McNulty on the show. We've had Janice Min on the show. It's uh, it, One of these days, we're going to get the entertainment strategy guy uh, out of his he hole. He claims and... he's working on a voice disguiser. He's, so he been, can, say, he he's been saying that for <laughs> months now. He's, he's been saying that for a year now. I will, I'll believe it when I see it. Uh, maybe I can troll them into into getting it getting it together. Uh, but uh, no, it's very it's very nice to have you back on the show, Richard Rushfeld of the Ankler. Uh, very excited to have you on. Uh, and we're talking Thanks, about a very serious topic today because I I have for months now have been banging the drum on this, been uh, at least in part on on Richard's insistence. But uh, frankly, I think it's the underreported story until now. People are finally starting to pay attention to it. And that is the very real possibility of a strike by the Writers Guild of America. Um, it's been, what, 14, 13, 14 years since the last strike, 15 years since the last strike. Uh, you know, we're, we're about due for one. Um, but also, uh, it's not just a, a matter of being due for one. The, the issues at play are somewhat intractable. Am I, am I right or am I wrong? They require... Uh... Either way, so there's there's two ways that uh, that the issues can be addressed. That the the streamers in particular can completely reorganize the way they uh, do their business, or they can completely reorganize their economics so that the uh, the the so that the way they produce a million shows uh, completely changes. So um, it's the likely it's it's the question of in the next six weeks. Is the streaming world going to completely reorganize itself? Uh, and uh, and on the other side of it, you have you have the writers who are, I, I think, absolutely show every sign of they're absolutely willing to take this all the way to strike and beyond if uh, if it comes to that. So, well, I mean, this is so. I am notoriously kind of labor unfriendly at least amongst my friends my my friends you know know i'm a i'm a man of the businessman not the not the not the little man but i i'm i'm actually i this is this is one of these cases where i am almost completely on the side of the writers uh because it seems to me that the situation is entirely untenable um that there were economic promises that were made that are, frankly, very hard to keep. Um, and and most importantly, um, really, the, the issue here 
that is most unsolvable from my point of view. Uh, and you touched on this a little bit in your in your uh, big piece at the Ankler, which is why I'm having you on the show. I should have introduced this properly. Uh, Richard wrote uh, wrote a, a, a good kind of stage setting piece for the the 70 days we have until the the contract between the Writers Guild and the uh, the producers expires. But the 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 real issue here, and I don't know how anybody is going to solve this because I think. The streamers would rather die than do it, and the writers can't survive without it. But it's about data. It's yeah. the only way the only way to ensure that the writers are properly paid for how successful their products are is for them to get access to much better data than we have. And the streamers have absolutely no interest in giving that up, right? I mean, that's that's the thing with with the tech companies. Data is is I mean, data is everything. Data is that is what you're in for. It's it's like asking. You know, it's like asking them to to give their 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 first three their their three firstborn children uh, over. Like that's that that that's not. I, I think here in Hollywood, we think of data as just some little number thing that that's on the side. But data is the reason you do it in the tech world, and the idea of giving up their data is uh, uh, beyond anathema to them. But the the flip side is, if they don't want to give it up, they can just pay vastly more for the service. They could just pay everybody like like every show is a hit. Um, so that that would work too. It, it makes it then untenable to produce, um, you, you know, release 50 new shows every week, but uh, at, at that cost. But it's because part of this also is the writers are just the, uh, the edge of the, the spear here, and they're going to be followed by the directors and uh, IA and everyone. So, if the writers get concessions, then everyone else is going to come along and get concessions. So, if the if if they fundamentally change economics of this, then it's it's going to go all the way down the line there. Well, right. I mean, let's all right. So let's uh, take one step back to to what you mentioned here, which is that you know they aren't the writers aren't strictly speaking dealing with movie studios in the classic sense right it used to yeah. it used to be you you you're the writers or the actors or the directors they band together and they're uh they're negotiating against paramount and uh you know universal and disney and whoever else really though they're they are in the midst of dealing with tech titans they're in and they're in the midst of dealing with companies that were founded on uh, kind of Silicon Valley ideals and ideas. Um, in some cases, you know, uh, companies that only are very marginally involved in the the film business, companies like Amazon and Apple. Um, in other cases, companies that are entirely involved in the film business like Netflix. But they all have that kind of tech mindset in which writers are to be looked at essentially as synonymous with factory employees in an Amazon factory, Right. Yeah, exactly, and they 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 think the value that is created comes from a, a very few people at the top, the the, the cult of the founders, um, and and all of them would have engineering degrees. Like any anyone who doesn't have engineering degrees is like barely a human being in, in their mind, I think. Uh, but um, the uh, and and that every, and the idea is you squeeze everybody else for how however. The, the cheapest you can get labor for in 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 every possible way and then uh, we we've seen that across the board the problem is that Hollywood um, Hollywood really is kind of the most democratic of uh, of industries in a lot of ways because uh, for for all its flaws it's it 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 has supplied a 
a fair, a good living way, even as even as people at the very top get get uh, have got gotten enormously fantastically wealthy. It's had a very good living wage for everyone from the stagehands to the makeup artists um, to the writers all the, all the way down the line for a hundred years now until the last 10 years. And uh, that's, that's what's being threatened. Well, so let's, let's uh, zoom in a little bit uh, specifically on the writer. So, I mean, here's the argument that the studios would make, right? The studios would make the argument that we are employing more writers than ever before. More writers than ever before are getting uh, jobs on our on our shows because we're making five thousand shows a year, um, and you know each of those uh, shows needs you know six people at least in if we're doing a mini room, or it needs you know ten people for doing a full room, um, whatever. Uh, so how are we supposed to be able to afford? And we're lo- and on top of this, we're losing money. All the streaming companies are losing money. We're not, none of us. How are we supposed to make money if we pay you more? Who we're also employing more? We're gonna have to fire a bunch of people. But how do you? I mean, how do the writers respond to that? I mean, they the, the streamers are basically saying, in playing robbery, we created a situation where we have to do a insane number of of shows that are unaffordable. Uh, so you have to support us doing this insane number of shows that are unsupportable. Um, you know, this is an unsustainable situation that that they created. So, um, you know, they, they they can't suddenly come in and say, you know what, we we with too many shows, we can't have fire fire uh, alarms in the offices anymore. So if, if some of you have to burn to burn to death now and then, you know, that's that's the cost of uh, of, of have, putting out 100 new shows a week. Um it's their responsibility, and and working in Hollywood requires a vast skilled um, labor force. And if people can't afford to live a normal life, uh, middle class life as a as a writer, and it goes to uh, and becomes you know interns and twenty one year olds writing your shows, well, you're going to see what you get from that, and and it's going to be not too far from uh, TikTok videos of someone skateboarding into a wall. I think. Well, you as you as you note in the at the end of your uh, your missive the other day, you know, there's nothing less at stake here than the the fate of civilization in yeah. a very in a very real way. I think so. It, it, you know, but for but for the nail, the kingdom was lost. It's uh, if this is the Writers Guild uh, negotiation is what it comes down to is can can Hollywood which has created a very high standard of professionalized entertainment and culture, the greatest culture factory the world has ever seen. Can it survive doing that? And if 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 the if the writers guild negotiation fails and it's followed by the other guilds uh, collapsing in the same way, the 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 road to TikTok is wide open. And that and and the the idea of a high standard of professionalized culture. Um, collapses, and I, I don't. Thinking about a civilization where, you know, you don't have two and a half men. Let all forget about uh, you know tar. It's like that where you just don't. This is how people learn how to understand the world and how to relate to others through cult, cultural products, whether it's a sitcom episode or uh, or you know it's rarely a little independent film that of the type gets nominated for Oscars. But it's it's it. It's still a very high standard of uh, uh, of entertainment product, and and if that disappears, um, 
we we forget how to talk to each other and relate to each other in a big way and uh and and civilization i think gets much worse so uh all that is on the backs of the writers right now that if they can't uh produce a victory out of this and civilization collapses you uh you mentioned and this is this is a thing i do hear from from uh, my my friends who are working writers sometimes, uh, in particular, is that look, you know, we've got we we've got a bunch of people in the guild who aren't working right now who kind of see this as a as a chance for a big adventure. You know, they're gonna stick it to the man. We're gonna they're gonna get out there and they're gonna take all of us out of work. We're all gonna be out of work, and that's not that's not great. Nobody wants that. Is there? Do you think there is a split in the in the membership uh, between folks who um, are are itching to strike just to do something and uh, and the others, or is is or is there is that less of a concern than than it might otherwise be? I mean, and that's that's always a very real factor with the with the Writers Guild, and it's why you know the, anytime they put to, uh, something to a vote, the I mean, in, in in the last election, the 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 most militant faction. Um, won overwhelmingly. I mean, not not with like sixty percent, but with like eighty five percent of the vote. Like they you know, huge, huge margins because there and there are a lot of people in the guild who are unemployed or underemployed and just you know just uh, young folk who don't don't know what a strike really uh, boils down to or are happy to it uh, are happy to just spend a few months uh, uh, waving their fists outside the studio gates. But this, time, you know, in the in the past negotiations, I've I've felt that that faction was was driving the uh, the writers off a cliff for things that aren't really meaningful. Um, this time, like like you say, I'm I, I I feel like these are truly important issues, and the uh, the lunatics are actually on the side of uh, on the side of the right, and and things that have to be addressed this time. How do you compare the mood right now to the mood in uh, 2007-2008, which is the last time we saw uh, a big strike? I mean, our, I, I know I know folks really were convinced that there was going to be a strike in 2020, and that kind of fizzled out, I think, in part because of COVID. Um, but there was some, you know, there's there's other other stuff going on then, too. But I, I this does feel like the first time, really, that, like, looks like it's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it... Uh, when was it? Two, uh, four, four years ago. It, it, everyone was betting it was going, it, it was going to yeah. happen. It, it, uh, it, it, and it, they came to agreement at the last minute. And my strikeometer still gives that a one in three chance of happening this time. So I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying that's impossible. Um, but it, I, I'd say the, the feeling is much worse than it was in 2007. I think in 2007 they had a real grievance and, and a lot of anger and a lot of people charge up and when do it. Uh, and ready to uh, take to the streets to do something about it. I think this time there's a there's a, a sense that this this uh, profession might collapse and that you, we can't go on and that they, that everyone who's in it has knows lots of people who had to give it up and leave the profession, and leave Los Angeles, which is at the time all this is happening become a you know, fantastically expensive place to live. Um, and, uh, and and I think I, I, I do I don't think the last time it was a seen as a fight for the survival of the profession, but uh, I, I I think it really is seen like that this time, and there's much more fear. What does what does the profession of a screenwriter look like if they if they aren't able to extract 
real concessions from the uh, from the producers here. I mean, I like are are we just looking at a situation in which you have um, I, a thousand people who are working three different shows a year and trying to string, scrape together, you know, a hundred grand to live in Los Angeles? I, I what is it? What does it actually look like to be an employed writer uh, in in the future that uh, Netflix and its and its ilk want? I think it's really hard. It's, I mean, a, a big part of it is, is, you know, when I was a freelance journalist, I, I, I would say like, if you, if you got a contract, it was worth a, almost double the money that the contract paid because you had predictability and you could plan your life around it and you knew what, what you did. And if, if you're just hustle, constantly hustling for the next job, constantly looking for the next thing, it just makes life so much more chaotic and scary and you can't, you can't work in a normal way. It's it's a it's it's uh, it's a force. Uh, what's the opposite of a force? Force multiplier, a force divider, or whatever in your in, uh, in your life. And so it's you know people hustling for these six week jobs that um, that may get even smaller. It's they do a, a big part of the thing is these mini rooms now that they've allowed the streamers to. Um, to create where it's 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 just a tiny number of writers or just one writer um uh doing it so it's it's less people employed for less time um and it it just becomes really difficult to scrape all that together for a living so it bec- it'll become the people who have family money the people who have a spouse who is actually supporting them basically people are doing it as a hobby mm-hmm. um and uh and a few, a very, you know, Shonda Rhimes and Ryan Murphy will continue to work and be able to pay their rent. Um, and then a lot of, a lot of 21 year olds who will do it for a couple of years and then go to law school. So it'll be, it'll become like journalism is what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we, we blaze the trail to uh, <laughs> set the template for uh, ruin of an industry here. Oh, <laughs> Maybe. good. Okay. Glad we could do that too. Um, uh, what? So I, I guess here's here's a point that you bring up in your in your uh, newsletter that I think is kind of interesting and underexamined, which is that the studios aren't really the studios anymore. The studios are not really playing the same game anymore. The you you have Netflix, which is doing its own thing. Um, you have Warner Brothers Discovery, which is doing its own thing. You have Apple and Amazon, which are essentially the dilettantes waltzing in and, you know, just trying to win awards or like doing this little boutique thing that's for prestige. Is there any way, why, why wouldn't the Writers Guild start trying to negotiate with everybody separately instead of the Producers Guild as a, as a, as a concept? Because I think that I, 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 I understand. I understand why you don't want to do that, but I also don't understand why the Writers Guild feels compelled to deal with all of these companies at once instead of taking them part by part. Yeah, I've thought of that too, and I, I bet that is an outcome. I, I think at the moment the producers are still hanging together and refusing to to have separate talks, but at some point you have to wonder um, if you're David Zasloff or or Bob Iger, are, are, are you going to go down because because uh, Ted Sarandos doesn't want to change the way he does business? That that um, you know that Iger and Iger and Zaslav could easily probably work this out and come to terms and uh, all that. But uh, 
but but for the streamers is very difficult and it's you know it's difficult as as you say uh apple which is now if you look at the number of shows they're producing huge i mean it's it's a, it's a little boutique thing but it, it's huge now it's it's huge huge amount of production um nobody even knows why they're in it like what is, what is the point of this so it, it's very hard to align your align your goals uh if you're producers with with a company that you don't even know what the heck they're doing here um amazon everybody assumes they understand that it's to get people to buy more diapers on uh on prime but but no one actually knows that um and how that economics all all adds up um the you know the 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 problem is um that if they if the this scenario someone's suggesting to me if if say the legacy producers start talking on their own that the um the the streamers could could undercut them here's a scenario for you and say okay we're going to make a great deal with the writers guild and we're going to we're going to we're going to go off on our separate we're going to make a fantastic deal that you legacy studios can't even begin to afford to match uh and then we will just drive you all out of business in two weeks um so that that that's they they there is some incentive for uh, hang, for them to hang together for this because they could do a lot to stab each other in the back. Yeah, I mean, I just you know I look at this situation and and it seems to me the best play for the writers is uh, to play hardball and then to try and pick somebody off because I I like again Netflix Netflix's whole model is based on next Netflix's whole business model is based on we have all the data we know what people want to watch we know when they're turning off we know blah blah and. If they are loath to give that up to ensure some sort of proper, um, you know, residual payout, because that's really the big deal. That's the issue here is as much as anything else, as much as the small writers rooms, um, as much as the uncertainty, the idea that Netflix has these huge shows that do hundreds of millions of hours of views and then the writers don't see any of that after the fact is maddening to them. It's not how it's not how the industry works, or at least it, it, it's not how it has worked until now. I mean, it's so bad for the industry in so many ways. It's, it's, it's bad in terms of how people get paid and how, how they get their way. But it, it's also, I mean, this, this is the worst effect of the, the streaming world, that, that we created this, this system whereby the creators of shows and people who work on them are going to get no feedback and no, no audience metrics, no response, no nothing. Like you, you get everyone tells a story of you debut a show on on Apple or on uh, or on, on Netflix and it comes out and on Monday um, you get a call from a VP maybe who says yeah we we feel good about it did all right <laughs> or or maybe you don't get a call um, and then you try to figure out what that means and it's um, that's the metrics now and it just. You know, since since ancient Greek theater, it's uh, the audience response. It's there's a there's a feedback loop here that uh, it, to, to to just cut that off has been a, I, I think has been a terrible thing artistically, um, and it's a terrible and and it makes it really hard to uh, for people to make deals and make money and to understand what their what their work is worth. Also, yeah, David Mamet has a riff on this in one of his books, maybe maybe his book on theater, uh, but basically the idea that. Artists and playwrights getting money from government subsidized organizations is bad 
um, because uh, what what it does is it reduces the need to please the audience with good uh, theatrical, yeah. you know, stage productions. And once you start doing that, you you end up just going into your own little headspace where it's not it's you're not actually producing anything worthwhile. Which I think is I think it's a real risk for a lot yeah, of these streamers no, in particular. Nothing. I don't think everything has to be uh, has to be Avatar, but uh, but within your own world and your own sector, to have some idea like is is this uh, resonating with the people that I was I was trying to speak to at all? Like, and and, and instead you just know like is some Netflix VP uh, saying he's happy today? That's that's <laughs> uh, which may or may not that's- be related to how your show did. Yeah, that's that's all we that's all we can hope for is to make faceless VP number six at yep. uh, Netflix happy. Here's here's a question for you uh, from your side of things, from the reporting side of things. How have things in the re- the reporting of Hollywood business changed over the last fifteen years? Because I, you know, one of the one of the interesting um, subplots of the two thousand seven two thousand eight strike was that it is in part what allowed the rise of Nikki Fink and Deadline. Hollywood Daily, right? It, it shifted a sea change in the way the the industry um, news broke from Variety and Hollywood Reporter to kind of more, uh, you know, newsletters, blogs, that sort of thing. Um, and now that energy seems to be shifting almost entirely to the world of newsletters. I mean, obviously, Variety and Hollywood Reporter still doing good, interesting work. But when I want to read about what is really happening in the strikes, I, I, mean, I read the Ankler, right? I read, I read David Poland's newsletter. I read, I read, you know, what what other writers are looking at. What, where are the writers going to go to this time around to uh, to make their case most directly to the public? Yeah, I mean, I, I we have uh, a lot of plans here at the Anklers to try to amplify those feelings, but I, I think it is from newsletters, from podcasts. Um, I, I don't think they're going to find the big. Uh, Penske Media institutional voices. Penske Media is the media company that owns all the trades, essentially, except for us little upstarts. Um, becoming uh, being there on the front lines for 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 them. They the trades are too much. Be, be, the, the downstream effect of what Nikki did of of sort of breaking news faster uh, and 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 not not waiting for the stately pace of the morning paper was that. Everyone is the 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 trade reporting is really de, de, driven by all these little scoops of like, you know, two and a half men announces its mid season return date and who gets to be the who gets to announce that or someone switches agents or a script deal happens and all these little things that are just too small and boring that, that no one not many people even inside Hollywood care, let alone people outside. But but that is 90% of what trade reporting is. And to get those little scoops, um, you have to be, you know, very cozy with a lot of people. And you have to, with, with the companies and everything. And they are very vocal when you annoy them. And, uh, and, and they're not going to, they're, they're not going to send things your way. And then, you know, for the, with, the the trades also have all sorts of um, you know they need they need people for their covers now they need people they, they 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 do the cover stories they have they do all these conferences they need people from the conferences they need people for their um, they they have their you know 
F for for your consideration contenders videos and all this and they need they need stars for those things so they're enmeshed with the people that are covering in so many different ways that it's kind of just unthinkable and you know 10 15 years ago even before Nikki Fink it was the when I was at the LA Times the uh, the columnists there were called um, were called were, were thought of as incredibly soft and 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 that they they were easy on the industry. They were routinely called for uh, heads of studios to be fired in ways you can't imagine any trade person uh, doing that. I mean, you you look at them you you look at them today, and and you would think like those people were were savages, uh, but <laughs> it, it it just like it's unthinkable that a, a trade trade people write that way today. Yeah. Uh, in your in your letter, you put the odds of a strike. The strike meter is at sixty five percent right now. I guess yes. if we're we're talking about doomsday clock, we're still about four minutes away from midnight. You know, we we've got we've got a, a little ways to go. But I do think uh, I we, this is the most the most worried you have been in some time. Yeah, I since I started doing the Ankler, uh, uh, on I I think the highest the uh, strike meter has ever gotten is. Has been to about 25 percent. Um, I, I, I the the previous showdowns, I, I I really didn't think that they were going to come to strikes. That the issues didn't seem clear or serious enough for uh, for that, and ultimately they were resolved in the nick of time. Um, remember, they can they can also choose at the last minute. They can say, okay, we're going to extend the the contract for another three weeks, so that so. The, the talks can continue. So the dead, the May 1st deadline may not be the actual deadline. Um, but, uh, and, and I think that there's still a chance that when, I mean, it's in the studio's hands right now to, to come up with something that seriously addresses these issues. And um, I, I, I still think there's, there's a, a better than an okay chance that, when they look into the abyss of what a strike means, and you know, none of none of these companies, uh, including Netflix, has had such an easy stock ride ride in the last couple of years. And what happens to Netflix stock if if the industry goes on strike now, uh, and and they're looking at being depressed? So when they when they when they stare into that, they may they may suddenly find they're a lot more flexible than they thought they were. Yeah. Uh, as you know, I always like to ask if there's anything I should have asked. If you think there's anything folks should know about state of the industry, uh, oh, state of the man. Hollywood media, what 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 should folks uh, have on their radar? Uh, you know, and I never prepare for that question. You think after all these interviews, I'd have, all these uh, visits, I'd have something prepared for that. <laughs> um, the the hits are the the. We we're very focused on sort of the big corporations and the big the big productions and everything, and the hits are going to come from uh, unexpected places. And what changes Hollywood is going to come from probably new companies doing doing things differently, uh, new new kinds of films you weren't expecting. Like uh, you know, this weekend we have Cocaine Bear and and Jesus Revolution. Uh, which are both uh, in in different ways, of, uh, as far from Marvel films as as, as you can get. Uh, but I, I think I, I I think the the in, the entrenched, you know, Netflix made it made a big shakeup of things, but seems incapable of uh, of going beyond its initial uh, tenants. So I think there I, th- I think some it's time for another change and something else to come along. 
that's going to shake things up. Hopefully it won't be TikTok, uh, just uh, outlaw, which I, I, I enjoy the uh, watching the, the videos there very much. But uh, but uh, hopefully that that isn't the entire future of entertainment. Um, and uh, there's there's a lot of room for something else. Fingers crossed. All right. Uh, thank you once again for being on the show, Richard. I really appreciate it. Um, My pleasure. I'll, Thanks I'll, for there was a there was a very nice profile of you guys in the in Vanity Fair. I'll include a link to that. People, folks can read that if they if they so choose, and uh, they should go subscribe at the Ankler. Absolutely, and 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 I, I'd say also that you know much of my uh, much of what I wrote was informed by Sean Ryan's uh, conversation with you a couple weeks ago that that he laid out the issues I think better than better than anyone else has any anywhere else. So I, people are interested in the subject. I, I, I recommend they go back and listen to that episode if they haven't already. Yeah, that was a, that was a fun one. Uh, and you know, thank, thank you for helping, helping make, make some connections there. Um, all right. Uh, I'm Sonny Bunch. I'm culture editor at the bulwark. Uh, and I, uh, am very pleased to have Richard back on the show. I will be back next week with another episode of the bulwark goes to Hollywood. We'll see you guys. then. Mm-hmm.